How many of you are car people? Show of hands, maybe. How many of you own a car or like a car or use a car or would like to own a car? How many of you are car people? How many of you, on the other hand, actually know how a car works? It reminds me, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the highway driving from Kitui to Nairobi for my daughter's birthday, long story, but as I go over a speed hump, all of a sudden my uh, car starts to make this kind of very, very strange noise. Even I could tell that things were not quite as they should be. Now, when that happens, you have two options. Well, it actually depends on whether you're a man or a woman. If you're a woman, you've got a better option. And if you're a man, really, you only have one option. If you are a woman, your better option probably, unless you're really, really good with cars, your better option is to stand on the side of the road and look helpless. That's my best advice to you, all of you lady nun mechanics out there. Now, if you are a man, if you are a man, you don't have that option. Don't go stand on the side of the road and look helpless. If you are a man, your only option, really, even if you know nothing about cars, is to do what I did, which is to get out and open the bonnet of your car and look inside, even if you have no clue what anything in there is, that's your only option as a guy. Don't be standing on the side of the road looking helpless. That's what I did and managed to sort it out with some help. Well, how many of you ever wonder, uh, how does Christianity work? I, I mean, how, how, does it, how does it really work? You may be sitting there and thinking, well, but I, 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 I thought that you were a pastor in a church. You, you, should, you should know how Christianity works. And to a certain extent, I do, but I sometimes catch myself wondering some things. Now, for instance, last week we had a vintage classic powerful message from our friend Lex Loisides on Acts chapter 3, where we'll be turning in just a few moments. And he spoke about how some people are healed and sometimes some people are not healed? Have you ever wondered how does that actually work? Or have you ever found yourself wondering this? Have you ever found yourself looking and looking at life and just thinking, do you know what? I see bad things happening to good people. In fact, I see bad things happening to good Christians. And on the other hand, sometimes I see good things happening to bad people. Sometimes I see good things happening to bad Christians. How does that work? If you ever find yourself wondering things like that, then like me, you will be so thankful for the book of Acts that we are going through story by story, chapter by chapter, and I trust it's serving you well. I am being so enriched by it, and we are doing it under the banner of becoming a church, becoming a group of believers, a company of Christ followers who is impacting our city and beyond impacting our city, the great city of Nairobi. For those of you who are one drivers, we want to see impact far beyond because we are a people called not just to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, but a people called to the ends of the earth. And so we are getting caught up as individuals and as a body, as a church body in this book of Acts. And as I said last week, we were in Acts chapter 3, and Lex served us superbly. He told us the story of a man who was lame from birth, and he was healed at the age of 40 years old, right at the gate of the temple, the gate called Beautiful. And now you and I are in the aftermath of that story. We're going to hear Peter's explanation of what 
went down and also of what didn't go down in God working that miracle. And we're going to look at all of that under the heading of our, our, our sermon title today is As If. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to dive straight in. God, I pray that you would uh, draw us into your story, whether we would call ourselves Christ followers or not. God, I ask that you would catch us up in what you are doing on planet Earth. God, I pray that you'd give us a, a bigger purpose, give us a bigger picture this morning. And God, I pray that you'd answer questions that I and others have. I pray that you'd encourage us. I pray that you'd strengthen us in the name of your son, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. All right, we can pick up the story, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Peter has just been used by God to heal a man born crippled. He was a beggar. And verse 11 says that while the beggar, picture it, held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Can you picture it? It's like chaos. This guy who hasn't walked in 40 years is standing up and he's hanging on to Peter and John. Why is he hanging on? It's hard to say. Maybe he really likes Peter and John because God is using to heal him. Or maybe he's still a little bit unsteady on his feet. I doubt that that's the answer. But then there's these crowds of people who are astonished and amazed and they are rushing around and crowding around. And then we get to listen in as Peter sees this moment. It's similar to, to Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit came down and the crowd gathers to see the spectacle. And, and, and similarly now a crowd has gathered in the wake of what God has done. And Peter in his message, and unfortunately we don't have time to go through every aspect of his message. I want to encourage you, get into during the week, get into during life groups. You're going to have a great time. There's so much good stuff in here. But, uh, but, 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 but Peter, we get to listen to his message. And his message, what we're going to draw out is two things from just the opening bit of his message this morning. He tells us about what did go down and he tells us about what didn't go down. We're going to start with Peter telling us about what didn't go down in that healing. People have gathered around and they're astonished. And as a crowd gathers, I can almost, I, I, I want you to come into the story with me. I can almost hear them beginning to whisper to one another as they see this well-known cripple standing on his feet. And I can hear one person whisper to the person next to them, hey, I think that those are Peter and John standing over there. And then someone else next to them, a lady perhaps, says, yeah, yeah, I heard that they had spent three years training with the miracle worker, Jesus. Then someone else says, yeah, but I, I, I think those two, I think those two were, were two out of the three who went up the mountain with him. And rumor has it that they beheld the glory of Jesus as he was transfigured before them. And someone else says, hey, but, but, but the one on the left, the one standing by the pillar over there, He's Peter and man, I, I don't know how true it is, but people say that he literally walked on water. People say that Jesus changed his name from Simon. Jesus gave him a new name. Jesus said, we're going to call you from now on. The Rock. Can you think of a cooler name than that? The Rock. 
That guy standing by the pillar, that is Pentecost Peter. He preached a sermon on Pentecost Sunday and 3,000 people became followers of this Christ. Now, if there's anyone who looking at their CV could say, I just healed this man through my own power and godliness, I'm the man. I would argue that if anyone qualified to say that, it would be this man, Peter. This is Peter who later on the Bible tells us that people would lay their sick on mats just so that as Peter walked by them, they would get healed by his shadow touching them. This is the same Peter who history tells us ended up dying, crucified on a cross, crucified upside down because he said that he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same way as his master. If anyone qualified to heal someone else through their own power and godliness, I would argue this guy. In verse 12, says, when Peter saw this, he tells the crowd what didn't go down. He said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Now, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? I can almost see Peter saying to John, John, John do you get this? These guys think that it was our power, our godliness that healed this crippled man. And then John says to him, uh, as if. Not so much because, because <laughs> that same crowd could have said, hey, is, aren't those two of Jesus' disciples over there? Aren't, aren't they the same ones who were known to be involved in discussions and arguments about who will be the greatest? Aren't these the guys who couldn't stay awake in Gethsemane when Jesus was praying and sweating blood? Yeah, that, that, that guy, Peter, yeah, he walked on water, kind of, but not really. But he did, but then he ended up sinking and Jesus had to rescue him. In fact, I think Peter's the guy who it was, Jesus is, Jesus called Peter Satan. Did you hear that story? Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. Peter rebukes Jesus. He rebukes God. And Jesus' response is, get thee behind me, Satan. That's that, Peter. Later on in the New Testament, we read how Paul confronted Peter to his face because later on, Peter got something totally, totally wrong. He was clearly in the wrong, Paul said. This is the same Peter who just a few short weeks earlier denied that he even knew Jesus. This guy's power and godliness, I don't think so. My friends, why is this important? Of, of, of all the potent words that Peter shares, why is this important? Friends, this, this principle that, 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 that it's, it's, it wasn't by Peter and John's own power or godliness that this cripple was healed has massive ramifications for how we start 
our spiritual journey with Jesus, for how we continue our spiritual journey with Jesus and how we process things along the way. This has massive implications for how we start our spiritual journey with Jesus. I often ask people, some of you have heard me tell this before and I tell it again because it is so important, so foundational. I sometimes ask people a question that a friend of mine once asked us in a sermon and and that question is, if you're standing before God one day, the end of your life and your time on earth is done and God says to you, why should I let you into heaven? How would you answer that question? Standing before God, God says, why, why should I let you into heaven? And my friend, his name is Steve. He said that if you or I answer that question with the words, because I, you are on dangerous ground. You are on eternally perilous ground. Why do we say that? Because the correct answer to why you or anyone else gets into heaven is not because I. The correct answer should be because God, because Jesus. That is why sinners like you and I get into heaven. Why should God let you into heaven? You should answer because God died for me. I was blind, but he gave me sight. I love the way that Paul describes his conversion. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, he's talking to a church in Corinth. He says, this is our common experience as believers. He says, for God, the same God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I was blind, he gave me sight. I was lost, he came and found me. I was a sheep that had gone astray. He's the shepherd who searched over hill and valley and came and found me. I was a prisoner, he set me free. I was dead and he made me alive. That's why the songwriter sang, this is my story, this is my song, praising my savior all the day long because he, that's how you start in the Christian life. We don't become Christians, we don't become followers of Jesus through our own power or godliness, but it is because he gives us sight, opens our eyes, raises the dead to life, finds what is lost because he, this is good news because the Bible rule is the way you start is actually the way that you continue. So that's how you start. That's how you continue. And so this principle that it's not by our own power or godliness doesn't just tell us how we start in the Christian life. Christ follower, listen to me. This is how you and I are to continue in the Christian life. This is massively important because... The temptation for every single one of us as we move forward on our Christian journey and we learn to read our Bibles and we learn to pray and we learn to fast and we become more spiritually mature is after a while the natural tendency in our hearts is to say, hey, you know what? 
I'm quite spiritually mature now, and so I, I, I deserve, or I, I, I'm reading my Bible, I'm trying to put it into practice, and so I deserve, or I'm praying, and therefore I deserve. What do you deserve? Well, it's up to you. Well, because of my power, because of my godliness, I deserve a bit of health, I deserve a bit of wealth. Because of my godliness, I deserve a little bit of success, I deserve a little bit of recognition, I deserve a boyfriend, I deserve a girlfriend, I deserve a husband, I deserve a wife, I deserve a better husband, I deserve a better wife. I deserve children. I deserve children who are like this. The list goes on and on. By our power or godliness, we drift towards I deserve. I deserve are dangerous words for a Christian. Why? Because God's Grace and blessings flow into our life, not because of our own power or godliness. Let me illustrate it to you this way. If I have a friend who hears on the story that my car broke down on the way from Kitui to Nairobi. And if this friend says, he phones me and he or she phones me and says, hey, I'm going to buy you a brand new Jaguar. Go to Westlands, pick up your Jaguar. The keys are ready. The tank is full. All you have to do is get 50 bob fair for the matatu. Get yourself to the nearest stage. Get onto a Matatu bound for Westlands. And your Jaguar is there waiting for you. And I do that. I get my 50 bob and I walk to the Matatu stage and I and I, I, I get into the Matatu and I arrive at the Jaguar dealership in Westlands and, and, and I, I get into that car and I can smell that new car smell. And I can feel the leather of the seats. Did I do anything? Well, yeah, I found 50 bob and I got into the Matatu and I got myself to Westlands, but that, that, that what I did did not earn that Jaguar. That was paid for by someone else. And so friends, the, 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 the concept of earning is foreign to the Christian who understands grace. Grace is not about earning. Grace is opposed to earning. Understand this, grace is not opposed to effort, Grace is opposed to earning. Grace doesn't mean that you don't put any effort into your Christian life. It doesn't mean that you don't pray. It doesn't mean that you don't fast. In fact, the more you understand grace, I think the more that you will pray, the more that you will fast, you will put in effort. But the thing about grace is grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Grace understands that 50 Bob Matatu Fair does not earn you a new Jaguar to drive. That's what happens with the benefits and blessings of salvation. He earned it. Jesus earned it through his effort. And so I don't have to earn it through my effort. Jesus is the sacrifice. He is enough. And because of him, it is finished. And when you get this, friends, like that great hymn in Christ alone says, that's when in Christ... Fears are stilled and strivings cease.
Have you got to the place yet where your strivings have ceased? And your life is full of effort for the glory of God. There's not an effort that thinks that you're going to earn anything by your own power or your own godliness. It's effort that is a response of gratitude and worship and purpose and thanksgiving to the one who owns it all. And his name is Jesus. So this affects how we start, it affects how we continue, it affects how we process everything along the way. I want to give you two quick examples. This principle affects how we process healing, it affects how we process some of what happens around us in popular culture. Let me talk about briefly about how this, that we, that, that, that it's, that we are not uh, blessed, we are not healed, we're not saved through our own power or godliness. A man, a cripple from birth, 40 years has just been healed. And Peter says, it's not as if this was by our own power and godliness. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that 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 that, that um, stops me from from praying for the sick more often is I think, what happens if 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 they don't get healed? I want to disappoint them. It's not nice when you pray for someone, and like Lex mentioned last week, sometimes nothing happens. But friends, when we, if we're going to grow in healing. And this is our prayer as a church, and I hope it's your prayer as a Christ follower, that we would grow in healing, that we'd see miracles more and more, like they did in the book of Acts. Now, so helped by a friend, uh, his name is Denny Taylor, and years ago we were in a, tra- in a training, we wanted to learn about how we can grow more in this thing of healing, and, and he, he said this, I found it so helpful. He stood up in front of us, and he said to the small class and sitting in a lounge in a suburb somewhere, he, he said, hey, listen, is it right? And you can answer this for yourself as well. Is it right when someone gets healed for you to take the glory? And all of us were in the class and we think that's an easy one. It is not right for us to take the glory. All the glory goes to him. He heals, we don't. And then Denny, he said, okay, if we agreed on that, then why do you want to take the blame if people don't get healed? (laughs) Do you see that? And you see Peter's genius here as he's saying, hey, listen, I want Jesus to get all the glory, not us, not our power, not our godliness. I want him to get all the glory. And actually what that means is that if it ever happens that anyone isn't healed, then I don't get the blame. It's actually Jesus who gets the blame. And that releases us so freeing that actually when we lay hands on the sick we don't heal God does the healing (laughs) we do the laying in our hands when we ask God for a prophetic word it's him who gives we just deliver what we've got as faithfully as we can it's freeing and it's powerful that we are not the generators of the power, our power and our godliness. The empty tomb is the generator of that power. You can see this theme woven throughout scripture. One place Paul says, uh, he says, we have this, this treasure in jars of clay. Why? Why have treasure in jars of clay, Paul says? So that it's obvious that the all-surpassing power is from God and not us. 
God loves to use broken vessels. You say, God, God, why, why do you like to use broken vessels? I think he'd give two answers. He'd say, well, number one, because they're the only kind of vessel available. And number two, because when God uses broken vessels, like Peter and like you and like me, he gets all the glory. So as we process things like healing, it's freeing that the healing power doesn't come because of our own power or godliness. It's his all-surpassing power. It helps us process as we, as we go through life. And from time to time, you have Christian leaders who drop the ball and who sin. And they are recent examples of that even in the last few months. And often the question that's asked is, but, but, but they were so successful. They, they, they moved in so much power. When they prayed for the sick, they got healed. When they would start churches, they would flourish. When they would preach the gospel, people would respond. Yeah, I know, but if you've read your Bibles, the, 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 the blessing and the power is not of themselves. It is not of the vessels. It is not through their power or their godliness that these things happen. And friends, this is the story of scripture from start to finish, is that scripture is not a story of a string of heroes. It is a story of one hero. And his name is Jesus. Ah, from Genesis to Revelation, you look at Noah, mighty Noah built the ark. Yeah, he's also the guy who got out the ark, got drunk and got naked. Abraham. Notorious for repeatedly lying about who his wife was and telling half-truths about that and then giving her away to other men. Jacob, a.k.a. deceiver and trickster. Samson, I need to tell you about Samson. He's the guy with the temper issues. He's the guy with the women issues. What about David. Let's talk about David for a little bit. On a roof, covets, one commandment broken, another man's wife, takes that wife, doesn't belong to him, so he's stealing two commandments broken. As a result of that, he has adultery with her. Don't commit adultery, commandment number three broken. And then he thinks, well, let me pretend that the child that's going to come is um, belongs to her, her husband and not actually to me. He's bearing false witness, fourth commandment broken, and then to cover it all up he has her husband killed five commandments broken in one story David wasn't blessed because of his power and his godliness and these stories are told in excruciating detail so friends you and I won't look to our own power and godliness we won't look to the power and godliness of the super celebrities around us but they are designed to make us to look to one place and one place only and that is Jesus and his power and his godliness all right let's move on so the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the God of our fathers has glorified verse 13 his servant Jesus Peter says hey guys don't look at us like this happened by our own power or godliness as if no 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 no. the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus you handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It's Jesus' name. 
and the faith that comes through him that have given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Spend most of this message talking about what didn't go down. What didn't go down is a cripple healed by Peter and John's own power and holiness. And Peter tells us in verses 16 and following what did go down, he says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. What did go down, this man was healed by faith in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus represents who Jesus is and what he has done. And there's this amazing list of, of, of who Jesus is in these verses. He's the, the glorified servant of God. He's the holy and righteous one. He is the author of life. Friends, he knows. He's the author of life. He knows every page of the book of your life. And he's written a beautiful ending. You say to me, how do you know he's written a beautiful ending? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what my life is like. And Friends, that's true. But I do know that in Jesus' own book, the book of his life, it involves him being rejected and betrayed. It involved him being handed over to be killed. It involved him being disowned before Pilate. It involved him, the holy and righteous one, being being disowned by his own people while they let a murderer go free. It involved him, the author of life, being killed. And still he turned something beautiful out of it. And he can do the same with your life. Whatever you have gone through, whatever you are going through, whatever you will go through, There's a holy and righteous one who loves you and he's for you. And it's by faith in him, by faith in Jesus, by trusting him, by believing him, by clinging to him. Peter says that this miracle has happened. <laughs> and then one last interesting thing Peter says as we come in for a landing. Peter says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. And then he says, it's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to this beggar. This verse tells us that the faith in Jesus' name that enabled the beggar to be healed. This faith that actually came from Jesus. Peter saying even the faith to see that man and say, look at me and to reach out my hand and help him up and see his feet and ankles become strong. Peter says, even the faith for that wasn't my own. I got it as a gift from who? You guessed it, Jesus. This is this, friends, is radical. What this means is that salvation is from God from first to last. It means that we aren't just saved by our own effort, by our own power, by our own godliness. It means that we don't just continue by his grace. It means that even the faith that gets us started and sustains us itself is a gift from him. Going back to our Jaguar illustration, this means that he not only paid for the Jaguar and the full tank of fuel, he 
found us the 50 bob to get onto the Matatu, and then he carried us to the Matatu stage, put us onto the Matatu, and sent us through because salvation, your rescue, your story is all about him from start to finish. Doesn't that make you want to worship Jesus? I love this. If crowd gathers and Peter says, don't look at me, he rushes them to focus on Jesus as soon as possible. And if nothing else comes out of this message, friends, let this be the atmosphere of our lives is rushing to point ourselves and the people around us as fast as we can to Jesus. Parents, point your children to Jesus. Husbands, point your spouses to, to, to Jesus. Wives, point, point your husbands to Jesus. In our corporate life, as we sing songs, friends, let's sing songs about Jesus. As we get into the word, let's, 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 let's proclaim and let's listen to sermons about Jesus. As we disciple and encourage one another, let's point one another to Jesus and his finished work and the faith that he gives us as a gift and his power and his godliness. As we gather in life groups, let's point one another to Jesus all day long. And even in this discussion time coming up, however brief it is, right now online, let's point one another to Jesus.